Hello everybody and welcome back to the Tea with Crema. My name is Chris, I'll be one of your hosts today, and I'm joined by my best friend, Emma. What's up, y'all? Today's episode has invited the second guest on the Tea with Crema that I have not met prior to recording the episode, so I am super excited to get to know a brand new person on the Tea with Crema, and so I'm going to turn it over to Emma to introduce our guest today. Our guest today is one of my really good friends. Uh, we were not friends in high school, but we became college roommates all four years. So welcome to the show, Nahan. Yay! Hi, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. So today we're going to be discussing all of the things. Our friend has lots of pretty cool things going on in her life, and we're going to just jump in right there. But before we get started, we're going to have a tea check. So Chris, what are you drinking today? Today, I brought an Emma-themed tea in that it is tea kitten. So it's a very cat-themed tea. It's very cute. And the description of the tea is, we're not kitten around when we say that this is the perfect copycat to fruit punch. Brew it hot and cuddle up with a mug or brew it cold for a refreshing fruity delight. You got to try this tea. (laughs) That... Oh my that God. was positively <laughs> perfect. Catastrophic. <laughs> I loved that. I thought it was the cutest little description. And the great thing about it is that it wasn't one of those ones that like really sets you up with a description and then the execution is a letdown. It really is very much a fruit punch type tea. So I really enjoyed it. It has all of the fruit flavors, hibiscus, apple, papaya, a bunch of other stuff. So it was really, really nice. I enjoyed this tea, and it's actually called Tarty to the Party. Don't be tardy to That's the amazing. party. Don't be tardy to the... Actually, I shouldn't sing that just in case we get copyrighted. Today, I am drinking a green tea because I need to wake up. It is very early morning time right now. But yeah, just a basic green tea for me. What are you drinking today, Nahomi? I am drinking a Long Island iced tea, which was popularized in the 1970s and remains a beloved drink. On paper, the Long Island iced tea is one hot mess of a drink, says this one article I found. But it's it's just um, vodka, rum, tequila, gin, triple sec. And it's supposed to have simple syrup and lemon juice, but I didn't have that. So I'm using an Arizona iced oh tea. God. So there's more tea in this. And then you top it off with Coca-Cola. So... No wonder that article was like, that's a hot mess of a, oh my god! I thought you were going to say, I had none of those things, so it's just straight alcohol. And I was going to say, are you okay? <laughs> this is my Friday ritual at the end of the week. Good so you. I love that. that. Makes sense. Okay, so. I didn't realize that's what Long Island iced teas were made out of, and now I understand. Now I understand why yeah. I sweat every time I drink it. It's just like a, <laughs> you know, like when you get like the meat sweats, I get like the dark liquor sweats. <laughs> <laughs> Featuring Long Island iced teas. It's great. Now I understand so much about people and Long Island iced teas. But today's episode is really just kind of taking a a look into the two aspects of your professional life. And so something that I, before we even get started, when you did your like cross introductions, both of you like really emphasized the fact that like you went to the same high school, but didn't really like associate but then decided like at that last minute that you're like, you know what? You're you're cool enough that we can make this work in college. You seem like you're not a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> we did take ceramics together, Emma, and we competed against each other in English. I wouldn't say that we competed. But my oh, first Yes, we did compete and I beat you guys. We did. Yes. You did and you mentioned it in one of your past episodes and I was like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. But okay. no, I, I remember when you first transfer when you first moved to California was when I first encountered you like we never talked but you I think you were in my English class then during freshman year mm-hmm. and I remember thinking to myself like oh my god she's loud I don't think I'll ever be her friend or anything like that but then you know <laughs> I think I think we had at least one class together a year too but it was like again mm-hmm. like with social circles we were yeah and then I think it was hard too because I showed up loud so I was in an English class that was during sixth period and then I started doing track so it's track and all athletics practices started sixth period so then 
what would happen was that anyone who was an athlete had to be shuffled around. So then I ended up in her English class. So I was in there halfway through. So I also like was new to the class and then all of a sudden just like showed up being being Emma per usual. <laughs> Yeah. But it's fun. I feel like y'all knew each other just enough to make it work in college because all I've ever heard is like best friends don't make it. Yeah. We were best friends, but we were close by the time high school ended. Like during our senior year, we both needed that arts class to get into a UC or a, a University of California yeah. uh, program. So we both took ceramics and we sat at the same table. That's when we got a little closer. And I learned a little too much about Emma that year. <laughs> but. It was fun. And I think it's because we both had mutual friends. Like for like Jaime, for example, was like, I knew Jaime, you mm-hmm. knew Jaime from like growing up. And so like, that's why we both ended mm-hmm. up at the same table because I was like, oh, I don't know anyone yeah. in this class. And I was like, oh, perfect, Jaime. And then you were like, oh, Jaime. And I was yeah. like, that's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of like how we became in each other's orbit. And then at the end of senior year decided, okay, this wouldn't be terrible. It might be okay. Yeah. And it worked out fine. It did. And then we did have a third roommate. Her name was Chris- is Christina. She she was also one of our classmates. She's three days younger than me, which is young. Er, And uh, the three of us got a, what's it called? A loft yeah. room in the yep. dorms. So the three of us lived together. She she was very, I guess, protective of me sometimes. And me and Emma would just be wild in sometimes. And- All the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time after that first year she moved in with her cousin at a campus apartment and then the rest of the time it was just me and emma just the oh. two of us. so then did you do the thing where like you went to undergrad and then did something completely unrelated in your real life or did you like do something in undergrad that like connects because i know emma and i both like decided to take completely like my major no, I, I majored in biology. I wasn't sure at the time of getting into college what I wanted, except that I wanted something health related. And like I knew biology was the most versatile in terms of that kind of stuff. So I didn't figure out what I wanted until like summer of summer before third year. I feel like we always knew that you wanted to be like go into medicine, but it was always like, do I want to go into pharmacy? Do I want to be like an MD? Do I? And then all of a sudden it was like optometry. And I was like, what? Where did that come from? So yeah, so why optometry? Tell us more about that. What what made you think of eyes, eyeballs? Well, I have had glasses since fourth grade. Mm-hmm. So I've always been around optometry once a year, every other year, whatever, to update my glasses. So I always thought like the optometrist was my favorite doctor to go to. I kind of liked the the sound of the machine when they asked like one or two and they're flipping the lenses around. I liked that sound. Well. And then, yeah, right? And then I knew for sure I did not want dental. I was not about to be looking in people's mouths all day. Pharmacy, I was thinking about it, but I was like, it seems kind of boring. Like you barely talk to anybody. You're just kind of counting pills, maybe giving them instructions, but there's going to be a line. So you can't really be friendly with your patients. And then med school, I was, well, at first I was like, okay, I could potentially do med school. And then like third quarter of first year came around. I was like, oh, these grades are not competitive at all. <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe maybe let's be more realistic. What else can I do? And then let's see, it was winter of second year. So this entire time I was also involved it, with the Vietnamese Student Association and a lot of connections through there. I was able to learn about this mission trip that w- it was a medical mission trip that goes to Vietnam every summer. And so I signed up for that winter second year because I was like, okay, well, I could either be on the medical team, the pharmacy team, the lab tech team, dental and eye care. So I was like, okay, well, I can have exposure to all this and at the same time go to Vietnam and visit my family too. So I was put on the optometry team and from January to summer, we were kind of prepping for the for the trip. And learning more about the discipline that we were in. And like the more I learned about optometry, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of nice. And then when the trip finally came around in the summer, the mission trip was two weeks long. And it was centered around northern Vietnam, like all the way at the border close to China, Vietnam. So it was very rural, very jungly. Patients came from miles around 
walking to us to be seen. We set up clinics at different schools throughout the area. And we had a bunch of donated glasses that we had measured ahead of time to see what prescription they were, had that in a database. And then we had a couple of a, a little bit of equipment that could kind of guesstimate what the patient's prescription was because we didn't have everything that we need to get an exact one. But based on what we got from that, we matched it up with the best glasses we could find. And even though it wasn't perfect, 98% of the time, the patients were like, oh my gosh, I can see now. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you guys made your t- made time to come out here. We appreciate your efforts. And I don't know, it just really like warmed my heart. And I was just like, I could do this every day if I wanted to. So that's kind of what pushed me into optometry. And I have not regretted it since. So as someone who like does not have glasses, does not go to the eye doctor, doesn't really know anything about this realm of like anything, is an optometrist the person that like just does the eye test? Or like where does one find an optometrist? So the interesting thing is optometrists are kind of special to America. In other parts of the world, there's the ophthalmologist and the optician. The ophthalmologist would be all the medical stuff, and the optician would be the ones measuring the glasses, measuring your eyes and what glasses you need and fitting the frames and all that. Optometrists are kind of an in-between where we do still see medical cases like patients with diabetes actually can have bleeding in the back of the eye that we can look at. But we also, our main bread and butter is, of course, asking you one or two, which prescription (laughs) do you see better through? So that's the main thing that optometrists do. But people don't realize how important it is to look at your ocular health as well. Even if you don't have a glasses prescription, you could potentially, like I do, I have a huge mole in the back of my eye. Nobody can see it unless you dilate them and then you can see it. And like the moles on our skin, we want to make sure they don't change over time, get bigger, get darker. Because that could potentially mean something cancerous or tumorous. Things I did not know. Yeah. You can get moles on your eyes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anywhere that there's pigment, you can get a mole there. Wait, is it like on your eyeball? Or is it like behind, like on the, like, if you took out your (laughs) No, it's like on the inside. Like if you were to cut open a ball, right? Yeah. It's on the backside of it. (gasps) Like the inside of the ball. Like the inside. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. That's where all those rods and cones are that we learned about all those years ago. Yeah, don't remember mm-hmm. that anyway. So you get a mole <laughs> in that area. You can. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes would that impact your actual vision? Sometimes if it does, it would be too late by then. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I have like a huge mole in my eye, but mm-hmm. like it doesn't affect my vision. But we've been monitoring it. I've been dilating my eyes every year. It's been the same size, which is what we hope for. But if it is something cancerous, it could become bigger and then more feeder vessels get to it. It can affect the contour of the back of the eye and that would affect your vision. And by then it might be too late. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. If this was not a PSA for eye health, it is now everyone. So please go and see see your local optometrist if you're in the US, your local ophthalmologist if you are not in the US, or if you're in the Riverside County area with very special insurance and a part of a very special community, you can also see... (laughs) Dr. Nahomi, do you think that like your experience in Vietnam kind of maybe helped inform your experience now that you're working with, you know, the Native American population in the, in the U.S.? Not quite, only because like I was still a college student then. I didn't have, well, first of all, we didn't have the equipment to do everything we would have if I had the equipment today, but it definitely is different compared to seeing someone in private practice in America where people are mostly healthy and mostly a little bit entitled. But the Vietnamese, the rural Vietnamese and also the native population are a little bit more grateful for our presence. So yeah, I did have an experience when I was a student because as fourth year optometry students, we go on rotations in different clinics throughout the country even. I had one quarter where I got to be at the Indian Health Clinic in Four Corners, which is you know the Four Corners of Arizona, Utah, Colorado, and New Mexico. So that was actually part of the Navajo Re- Reservation, and I got to spend four months there. And I actually liked it so much that I was like, okay, I want to apply for residency at an Indian Health Service. And then I found that there was one in California, so it was perfect. It all worked out. Mm-hmm. Do you think that? 
I feel like you've been talking about like all like the rewarding parts of being an optometrist and doing all of these like great things. Do you think that there's also a downside? You mentioned a little bit about like, in, like people are a little bit entitled, but is there a downside to it as well? I feel like being a doctor, there would be some downsides. I guess we'll start with what I already mentioned, people being entitled. It's just the nature of optometry. It's partially customer service as well, because most places do have an optical shop where we do carry our own frames, the patient purchases them through us. So there's going to be that customer service entitlement that you get at any retail place. We actually was having an issue today with a patient that was yelling at my receptionist over the phone because her glasses didn't come in yet. And we're just like, okay, well, we put the order in two weeks ago and we told you it would be 10 to 14 business days. I don't know what you want us to do. So that's one thing. Another downside would be kind of related to what I was saying, like other parts of the world have ophthalmology and opticians only. We also have ophthalmologists and opticians, and that's kind of how it started. There's still a lot of ophthalmologists out there that do think optometrists are trying to take their jobs. And that's absolutely not correct. Mostly because, well, actually, let me back up real quick. Optometry and a lot of medical practices are very legislative in nature, meaning the government actually decides what we can or cannot do from state to state. So I actually was in Oklahoma last month to get my optometry license there because their license, their scope of practice is a lot larger than California's. So since I work at a federal facility, I can use whichever license that I have under my belt to practice under that scope of practice, which is great. But for example, like several, not, not that long ago, even a couple of years ago, Massachusetts finally got the rights to prescribe eye drops for glaucoma. Before that, patients had to go to an ophthalmologist, a specialist to get those drops. But California has been able to prescribe those drops for a long time now. So that's just an example of things that we have to fight for, unfortunately. So that's another downside. Interesting. The third downside of uh, going into any graduate program is student loan debt, which, by the way, we have to start paying our loans starting today. Sad. September 1st. It's real now. I know. I I always pay my loans. Like I, I've been chipping away at them like $100 at a time. And today was the first day where it actually said amount due and didn't have zeros there. And I was really sad today. Yeah. It'll do it. That'll do it. And I think yeah. I feel like there's so much misconception around like, oh, like now you're a doctor, like you must be making like bank. But like, uh, no, I went to school for this long. This is how much my schooling costs. Like I'll be making bank when I am 100. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, when I when I got out of optometry school and then including my some of the loans I had from college, I was a quarter million dollars in debt, if you want it to be put into perspective. That's transparency for you people. She said a quarter. A quarter of a million. A quarter is twenty five in case you didn't know. Not twenty five thousand. Oh a million. You do the math. It's two hundred two hundred fifty. That's crazy. Oh That's painful. It is. Okay. And then it's just like, here's one hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> It just makes me so nervous because I just, it's, we again had a whole student loan thing just to know that like you could also spend your whole life paying that amount and then still owe that amount. It just, it's also frustrating, infuriating, but it's okay. It happens. It's not okay, actually, but it does happen. <laughs> it's not okay, but it does happen. But at least you're doing something you're loving. That's true. It was okay for a couple of years during COVID. That was maybe one, one good thing about COVID was that the interest rates stopped. So that was yes. nice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Good time to get ahead to actually yeah. pay off some of the principal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what, that's what I was doing. I was chipping away at it. Like I set aside $500 a month while I was a student to chip away at my college loans. And then when I got out, I've been putting a little bit more a month. Chipping away. So. so, you know, with that about student loans, moving into our next topic, Nahomi is also a streamer on Twitch. Can you tell us a little bit about why did you start streaming on Twitch? Well, let's see. I You gave me this question. And I didn't fully think about where to start. I guess during COVID, while when school got canceled, well, in person, school got canceled and most of our stuff was online. I was like, okay, well, what do I do with this 
time that I have, like that I used to spend commuting to school. And then my husband, well, boyfriend at the time, he was trying to convince me to play a game called Stardew Valley. And it's a really cute farming game, but I didn't know if I wanted to buy it yet. And so I went onto Twitch, like just as a, as a viewer, I was, I searched the categories and I was like, okay, Stardew Valley. And then I clicked on this streamer named Hedwigin, who still streams now. And I, I've still been following her for a while. She was playing Stardew Valley and people can interact with the streamer live. She can answer their questions. They talk to each other, have a little banter and I actually jumped into her stream and asked her like, Hey, I don't know what Stardew Valley is about. Can you tell me about it? And she, like, she and all of her viewers just like readily welcomed me into their company. And they're like, oh, welcome in the homie. Stardew Valley is this and this. It's really fun. And I was telling them, oh, yeah, my boyfriend wants me to play with him. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you should get it. It'd be really cute as a couple's game. And I was like, this is fun. So that's when I first started getting um, involved with Twitch as a viewer. I guess this is a kind of a roundabout reason for why I started streaming. But when I started up Tom Tree School, one of the biggest things for why I chose the school I went to was that one of the rotation sites that I could potentially be put in was actually in Japan. And that had been my goal the entire three years that I was a student while we were on campus. During our third year, we all 100 of, 100-ish of us get into a room and we have a lottery system. Whoever's number one gets to be the first to pick for each quarter, or not each quarter, but for one quarter, and then the next quarter, they'll be like number 75 or something like that, which was ni- nice. And then I got really lucky and managed to land summer in Tokyo for the year of 2020. <laughs> but so, so that was, that was fall 2019. So I had already picked for four rotations, Japan in the summer, it was going to be my school clinic in the fall. My, uh, the Indian Health Services in Navajo Nation, and then VA Vegas, the VA in Las Vegas. And I had a whole plan. I was going to go from the easiest to the most difficult environment, I guess, because a military hospital in Japan would be mostly young white men, <laughs> would be super easy to get good at being fast, right? And then it would kind of get harder and harder throughout the year. And my plan was that while I was in Japan, all by my lonesome. Well, not completely. My One of my classmates got another site, but we would have been two hours away on like opposite sides of Tokyo kind of thing. So I was, I was like, my plan was because Japan was going to be super expensive for me. I was like, maybe I should stream on Twitch while I was in Japan. Oh. And my plan was going to be go to 7-Eleven, go to Family Mart and Lawson's, get a bunch of food and just eat it on stream. And that would be a great way to spend the time without being lonely. So yeah, that's how it was supposed to start. And then COVID hit and I was like, okay, well, I could still, I could still stream one day. And I still ended up streaming while I was in Vegas because I had a laptop that could do it. And I streamed a game called Overwatch, which was not great because it was a little too much for my computer to handle. So I was like, okay, we'll try it again another time. (laughs) (laughs) We'll come back to this. (laughs) Yeah, we'll come back to this. So I guess when I first started streaming in earnest was when I finally got my residency program and I had my own apartment. I had some money to build my own PC. And I was like, okay, this should definitely handle it a little better than my laptop can. And then I was like, okay, let's start small and pick a really small puzzle game to play. And that's kind of how I started. It's a long story. So you've built your own computer. I did with the help of my husband, but yes. Wow, it's been on my to-do list for a very long time. And then the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, I don't think I actually want to do this. Also, I don't game that much. It was just like a thing that I just wanted to do to say that I did it. It just doesn't make any sense. But that's exciting and impressive that you've done that already. Checked box, ready to go. Do you have a clicky clacky keyboard? I do. It also is colorful. Because it has the lights. That's what makes it a gamer keyboard. It has to have the lights. Legit. I mean, so this this keyboard and my headphones and my mouse and my old mouse pad were actually a Costco bundle. I love Costco. Me too. It's a problem how much I love it. Mm-hmm. I even love it in Japan too. When you come to visit, I will take you to Costco. I was going to say. 
Really? I will. It's one of those, yeah, because I just really love it that much, honestly. <laughs> okay. Are the lines for gas wild in Japan too? They don't do gas here. So our memberships are a little bit uh, cheaper. So it's interesting because oh. you can use a US. Oh, Costco doesn't do gas. I thought you were saying Japan doesn't do gas. Oh. I was like, but how do cars work? Um, it's a very <laughs> special made recipe that you make at your own home. And then you just put it into the, yeah. No, in Japan. So it's one of those interesting things with Costco that you can use a US membership in Japan, but you can't use a Japanese membership <gasps> in the US because of the, what? because it's a little bit cheaper in Japan. Yeah, and because of the gas. So we pay a little bit more in the US, so you can go anywhere in the world, but not anywhere in the world can go to other places. Oh. Yeah, so it's one of those special... So you have that US membership, right, Naomi? I do. I'm texting my husband right now that we can use our Costco membership in Japan. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) It's really important boxes to check off. Yeah. (laughs) It is. It is. And it's like all the snacks and stuff. I think that's the most important part. It's like bulk snacks. That is. Yeah. Yes. I'm really excited for the snacks again. Yep. Like it's the same snacks or different snacks? Different snacks. Like the snacks Ooh, that you would find in like keeping it local, regional. A snack that you would find in a ja- <laughs> yeah, in like a in a like um what you call it? In an Asian market like in a Japanese market. But it's like just a market in the U in Japan. <laughs> 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 no longer just a Japanese market. It's still it's just your regular supermarket. <laughs> just a regular market. Oh man. Okay, wait. I don't really care that much for Costco. This is great. Love this tidbit. But <laughs> moving on. I actually <laughs> More curious about like what sorts of games do you, I guess, play and then also stream? And then are there games that like you play but don't stream or like games that you only play because you're streaming? How does this work? You just took my rapid fire question. (laughs) Now you have to think of a new one. (laughs) Oh, no. I have another. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Tell us all about it. So I advertise myself as a variety streamer, which means I play a bunch of different games, types of games. But before I started streaming, like I mentioned, I played Overwatch. And that was the only game that I allowed myself to play throughout optometry school. Otherwise, I would not have graduated properly. (laughs) So, okay. So I do have a list on my Twitch page because I don't remember what games I've played. But before Overwatch, like the only things I've played before streaming was like Nintendo games, like Mario Kart, Mario Party, Nintendo Dogs, Just Dance. Yeah, <laughs> we used to play that on our Wii all the in fun our games. apartment. Yeah, so all, all like party games basically, right? And then like I always was kind of jealous of my guy cousins that got to play games all the time. They had a PlayStation. My parents thought video games were for boys only so the only time i really had experience with other types of games was when i was at their house so i got to play what was it like fighting games i guess and then ratchet and clank i remember that one was a cool one but when i started streaming i was like okay well at this point i've got my own apartment i've got an income so my parents can't stop me now (laughs) so (laughs) i'm gonna say now (laughs) So, okay, the first game I played on stream was called Hue. It's a color-based puzzle game, which is super cute, really relaxing, but at the same time, very frustrating when you can't get the puzzle right. The second game I played is called Untitled Goose Game. You know of it, Chris? Yes. I've always wanted to play it because it just seems so random, but you literally just like walk around as a goose and you just bother people. Yeah, your missions are literally to pull the man's laundry into the pond or create a picnic by basically stealing apples, baskets, plates from like various places around you and bring it to this picnic blanket that's by the lake. And it's so funny. You can honk at people. You can flap your wings at people. (laughs) It's so fun. But like this was also like early on in my Twitch career. So not not a lot of people were there at the time. So one of the first big series that I played was Tomb Raider. So it's, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the different Tomb Raiders, but it's the newest series that started in 2013. The second game came out 2016. The third one came out in 2018. And I've always been interested in story-based games like this one because it's basically a movie where you're actually the main character. You're controlling the main character yourself. And it was such a fun experience playing those. And everything I play on stream are my first time playing them because I never got to play it before. So that's kind of the reason why I started streaming too is because my husband told me in the past that it was kind of fun watching me play games. And I was like, okay, 
I guess if you say so, maybe I could make something out of it. So other more popular game series I've played are Portal and Bioshock. And I'm currently working through the Batman Arkham series, which is four games long. And I just barely finished the second game last week. Oh, actually, and then I did I did start a new game this week to celebrate 500 followers. I promised my chat, my, my viewers, that I would play a scary game. So I'm playing Blair Witch, and it's horrible. No, that sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah, it was a terrible idea, but it, so far it's actually kind of a good game. Like, the mechanics are good. The graphics are really pretty, actually. And then you get to pet the dog as many times as you can. Oh, no. As in, like... Does the dog turn into something? Oh, no, no. Just, just like when, when the dog's next to you, then you can prompt, you can pull up a thing that says pet dog. Oh, yeah. okay. It's like, oh my goodness. And as many times as you can, then the dog's like, actually, I'm angry now. And then like tries to eat you. <laughs> it seems like a scary game. That's kind of very thing that on brand. <laughs> it's a scary game. The dog is surprisingly really integral to the gameplay because like there's these creatures, I guess I'm supposed to fight. And the dog is the one that is able to tell me what direction they're in. And I can. Oh, so you kind of you have to like pay attention mm-hmm. to your dog too. So, like, and so every time we, so so far every time we finished a fight scene, I go to the dog and I pet him a couple times. It's so cute. <laughs> I love that even video game dogs bring you joy because real life dogs also <laughs> do the same thing. You couldn't go anywhere if there was a yes. dog involved. Could not walk past it without her stopping to pet it. We gotta go. And then she would like she would like whistle and like pretend like ask the birds to come in like she was like a real life Snow White. I was like, I just want to walk to the dining hall and eat lunch. Like, can you stop trying to summon all of the animals of Riverside, California, right now? It was like the oddest thing in the world. Like, I mean, it wasn't odd. I loved it. You know, I loved every minute of it. I actually kind of want to talk about like the Twitch. Like I've heard, you know, there's like some toxic masculinity on Twitch as well. You know, kind of like being a female Twitch. Mm-hmm. Streamer? Yeah, streamer. Female streamer? Like, do you see any of those, like, negative sides or... Luckily for me personally, like, on my channel, not much. At the beginning, I had an auto-moderator that can flag certain words and make sure that it's not visible. But even at the beginning, I wasn't getting too much of that. And then now that I've built a little bit of community and... Emma, do you remember Tanya, the RA in our building? Yeah. Sorry, not ringing a bell. Sorry. Sorry, Tanya. Um, I'm sure if I showed you a picture of her, you'll recognize her. But she she also started streaming too. And so she and I have been helping each other with our streaming adventures. And I made her a moderator in my channel. She's and then I'm a moderator in her channel. And we've been trying to make sure we keep the trolls out and delete any messages like from bots that are like, oh, would you like to increase your viewership? kind of thing just (laughs) delete them get out of here but luckily for me i haven't had a whole lot of demeaning comments towards me or anything like that but i know some other people have for sure i have witnessed it too but luckily for me i haven't i guess that's just the dark side of the the internet yeah Mm -hmm. makes me sad just let me play games let me meet people online without having to worry if they're gonna follow me home so i guess like anything you can like take anything from like fun times to like money times. And so as someone who is, you know, co-host on a podcast that can't seem to figure out how to money times things, <laughs> just curious on like how that worked out for you on Twitch. Cause again, you know, the podcast we're, we're trying, we're getting there maybe in like seven to 10 business years, but like, you know, <laughs> just talking to someone who's done it, like how might we expedite that process? I know there are different platforms, but like, how do you build that sense of like that community? Like you're, like you're saying, and then to be able to then make the monies off of it. It took a lot of time. I guess the first thing I can explain real quick is how to monetize on Twitch. When you first start out and you're just a really new streamer, nobody's watching you. You have maybe two people that watch you because you told your parents to watch. Oh, thanks, mom and dad. (laughs) Oh, no, they didn't know about it until like last year. But (laughs) I didn't want them to make fun of me (laughs) because that's the kind of parents they are. (laughs) I could just see I could just see your mom laughing about (laughs) it. Yeah, she still does. I tell her that I, I last week I told her I almost had 500 followers. She goes, oh, is that a lot? And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Mom, I'm internet famous. Yeah, I am. <laughs> so when you're first starting out, you don't get any money from it at all. So in order to get 
money at all in the beginning is to become an affiliate streamer. There are actually, let me pull it up just so I don't say the wrong things. There are certain prerequisites before you reach affiliate status. And that is reach 50 followers, stream for eight hours within a 30 day period, stream on seven different days, and then average, wait, they changed this. It used to be average seven viewers when I started, but now it's average three viewers during that three-day period. That took me a little while, but I hit affiliate status March 2022. How long had you been streaming by that point in March 2022? Two years or? No, I think December 21. So it was, oh, okay. so it was like so a like few a months. Couple of months. Mm-hmm. As affiliate, we get, I think it's 70, no, no, 50-50 percent uh, in terms of income. So you can have ads roll on your stream and depending on how many ads you roll, you get more money through it. You can get subscribers at this point and subscriptions are $4.99 US dollars. And then viewers can also cheer bits, which is basically just straight up donating money to you. So like a hundred bits would be about $1 US. Mm. So any money you made through the subscriptions and the ads was split half with Twitch, the company. So at this moment, I'm still affiliate status. I still only get 50% of what I earn, which is not a whole lot. So in order to get more, you have to become partner. And for partner, you get 70-30, which is still not everything, but still a lot better. But for that, you need to stream 25 hours throughout the month, which I have hit before, 12 different days in the month, which I have hit. And then the difficult part is getting an average of 75 viewers. My current average is maybe like 15 to 30 at most. It is a little bit tricky. It is hard to get to that level, but some people are able to do it because they have the connections. And that's kind of how I branched out and created my community. I, Like I said, I was in Hedwigen's streams as a community member, as a viewer for a while, and I made friends through there. And then through her, because at the end of everybody's stream, the streamer raids out to another streaming, meaning they're ending their stream, but they're going to take their community to somebody else's stream to continue the fun. So that's how you, that's another way to network as well. So I met other streamers through Hedwigen. Another streamer I, I was kind of more involved with is Jetpack Mochi, who's also a variety streamer. They, they're both variety streamers and I, they were both kind of my inspiration to start as well. So since I was in both of their communities, I got to know everybody in the chat and also the streamers. So when I started streaming, some of them actually found out about it. And then, like I said, at the end of stream, you're supposed to raid out to another streamer. I raided to one of them. And then everyone's like, oh my gosh, no homie streams. And then they follow you and they watch you too. And, you know, it's it's slow, but that's just kind of how the networking works through Twitch. So one day, maybe we'll get something similar, but you're like, you're climbing it. You're getting there. Yeah. You're almost there. That's so cool, I'm though. Like, it almost seems like it's like that female streamers, too. Or oh, is Hedwidget uh-huh. and Jetpack Mochi? Do they, they're both um, women, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, like, they're almost like, you know, like, let's, let's like, bring it up. Like, let's get girls into, you know, streaming and playing games and all those things. Because, like, yeah, your parents said boys play video games. That was the same thing with my parents, too. Like, only boys do that. Look at us just healing our inner children. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, after I started watching more streamers on Twitch, I was like, wow, there's a lot of female streamers on here. I wonder if they went through the same issues I did. And I'm just like, probably. Yeah. No, it's, it's really cool seeing that. So how would you, like, right now, so you, like, go to work. Do you like work like a full day and then you go at home and stream or is this more like a weekend hustle? So I've been, so my schedule is, was typically Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but because of some, I mean, I guess I technically got promoted recently to a more stable position because I, before, before this year, I was a floater optometrist, meaning I had to go to different clinics because my company actually covers nine different clinics throughout the Inland Empire, which is large. This year, I was able to take one clinic site. Unfortunately, it is still 40 to 45 minutes drive from my house. But (laughs) yeah, so I do have, I mean, the good news is I have a permanent place now. The interesting thing about this place is that each clinic site has their own long day to make up for our short Fridays. So the location I'm at right now, our long days are Wednesdays. So I don't 
want to stream on Wednesdays anymore just because there's not enough time. I get off work at 7 p.m. on those days. And typically, I like to stream from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. on Mondays. 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. PST, you are interested in watching our friend? If you're interested in watching a variety streamer, go and follow www.twitch.tv slash Nahomi. That's N-H-A-H-O-M-I-E. <laughs> we'll also plug you at the end too, but you know, just a mid-episode plug too. <laughs> yeah, so so now I'm doing like Monday, Tuesday, Fridays. And then like I said, Fridays are my short days. I get off work at 2 o'clock. And then today was a little crazy with traffic, so I didn't get home until 3.30. But yeah, normally I'd be streaming from like 4 p.m. to – and depending on how crazy stream gets, last week I was playing till like 10 p.m., but I was playing with friends. That's why. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. okay. I was like, that is a lot. It was, stream. but but my mods do a good job of telling me to go to take a little pee pee break in the middle and get some water and <laughs> yeah, get some food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, walk around. Actually, get food. Blood For food, sometimes my husband will pop up behind me with a plate, and I'm just like, oh, I'm spoiled. <laughs> yeah, you are. Well, any last thoughts from anyone, Chris, Nahomi? I've heard of Twitch and just like the story of how you got into it. I'm just like, I want to learn more about this game. I think could definitely be a really beneficial way. Cause like, there's definitely times where I'm like, I want to know if I would want to buy this game. Cause I've exactly like, blind bought games that were absolute trash. <laughs> Cause you don't, you just, you watch the like trailer and you're like, okay, I think it'll probably be fine. And then like three hours in, you're like, this game sucks. God, yeah. Like, Oh, I wish I would have done anything else. <laughs> I do have a friend who told me that she she likes to watch people play games without having to play it herself because then she can multitask with other stuff. She goes, I don't know why I haven't been watching Twitch sooner. But then she made the mistake of making her username be her actual name. And she's like, oh, maybe oh, no. I shouldn't do that. And I was like, yeah, you should probably wait and change your name after I think 90 days you can change your name. But yeah, I was like, yeah, if, if you if anybody out there wants to get onto Twitch as a viewer or a streamer, if you want your private life to stay private, maybe don't use your real name just in case. Hot take slash fun tip <laughs> <laughs> slash safe tip, a safe, a safety safety tip. tip. <laughs> I see what you did there, Emma. Safety oh tip. <laughs> I was I was trying. Thank you. Thank you for catching it, Chris. I threw it and you caught it. Yeah, no, That's it went me. it went over my head first and then Chris caught it behind me. <laughs> That's Perfect. fine. It was a it was a long shot anyway. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I have learned so many things today, just so many things about the eyeballs and the game world. So I've enjoyed it. I just like learning things, so it was super exciting. <laughs> yeah. Also, actually, one one quick thing. I want to thank you guys for letting me on your podcast. I have been listening to you guys since day one, like Emma mentioned, and it's been really fun. Yep, day one. It's been really fun listening to you guys on my commute home. Like I said, it's like forty five minute drive, but I don't know. I half of me, half of the reason why I started listening to it was because I missed Emma's laugh. It's so contagious. I'm sitting there in the car laughing to myself, and luckily it's just a one lane road for most of the time, so nobody can see me laugh to myself. But like, yeah. <laughs> Thanks to our loyal, our loyal <laughs> follower. She always gives good feedback too. She's like, "Oh, that was funny," or like, "Oh my gosh, I heard the shout out." Because I feel like I have shouted out Naomi in the past. So yes. if you ever want to go and find those, yeah, find I have, find those Easter eggs. <laughs> But with that, it's time for our rapid fire question. I'm just going to say, bah, 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 bah. anyways, because I actually do miss that as well. <laughs> hot take. Hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I can miss it. All you, I think it's because we took too long to find it. So that it just, by a certain point, you're just like, great. Now Emma just makes the noise. It. But then yeah, yeah. Like, we did find it. And so now it's like. No, we have to have the official noise. (laughs) I get it. I get both sides. I think someone usually makes the noise every time. (laughs) (laughs) It was a staple from when I started. Oh, yes. You've been around. If you're an OG listener, you know it used to be Emma, and now it is the noise. (laughs) My question today, because my question got stolen... I was gonna ask like what is your favorite video game of all time but because we already talked about that I'm not so just in case anyone wanted to know what my question was beforehand what is your favorite juice flavor like your juice box flavor so it can either be a juice box or a juice pouch what is your favorite flavor 
Oh, that's hard. Okay, then I'll go. It's a wild cherry Capri Sun. <laughs> I actually had that pictured in my head, but I was like, wait, no, that one's not my favorite, though. Okay, hold on. Let me search up Capri Sun flavors just so I can... I'm always a classic apple juice juice box. I just really like apple juice. It makes me feel like it's healthy. Me too. I mean, apple juice is a classic, yeah. Does it have to be solely one flavor, or can it be like a mix of things? Because I... Oh. It can be whatever you want it to be. My favorite mix of juices is cranberry and apple. Uh, a cran- crapple. I've been told it was crapple. <laughs> Not a crapple. That one's more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Although probably it's called that too because it it would probably make your bowel movements move as well. So maybe that's why they call it that. <laughs> I just I I mean I like the classic apple sweet apple taste like Chris does, but like the cranberry tart balances it out very well. I feel like I see that makes, and sense. I also like tart things. Mm-hmm. That makes sense mixing them together. Also, I didn't know that apple juice did that to you until much later in my life. Oh no. I didn't huh. I just enjoyed them. Like I just enjoyed apple juice. But like, I don't know. Also, parents being parents and wise and diligent, it's not like they would let me just drink apple juice all day. So it's <laughs> a treat anyway. But so that's why I didn't learn until later in life when I uh. was an adult and could do whatever I wanted. And then I was like, oh. Oh, this there are consequences oh. to my actions. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Exactly. So Nahomi, what question did you bring? Oh, oh, okay. Okay, hang on. It's a two-part question. Oh, oh, okay. When was your guys' last eye exam? My last eye? Oh, Chris is gonna, he's <laughs> he's gonna take a, lead the fifth. My last eye exam was actually last year. I get my eyes checked every year. Nice. Thank you. I'm a good patient. Good. Chris? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I've um, seen an eye doctor specifically ever. <laughs> Maybe oh. like as a child sometime, but like, do you just go to an optometrist? Just like you just go? Yes. Well, if you have insurance, you should definitely check and see what your insurance, uh, I think I where you can go. I vision insurance every year. Well, even then you could, you could go to any and just, uh, be a, a pay out of pocket kind of patient, which is totally fine. I think on average, it's like $75 for a full exam. Especially if you're only going once a year, just to like do it general check yeah i mean you guys kind of answered it but my follow-up question was going to be when should you get an eye exam once Once a a year year. or once every two years yes 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 see i pay attention i learned things (laughs) i caught that part and was like okay i could do 75 dollars once every two years yeah yeah and then like ideally you do want to get your eyes dilated especially if you haven't done it in a long time so Dilation is when you put these drops in the eyes and the pupil, that dark spot in the middle, opens up a little bigger so that we can see the back of the eye more clearly. I can and that's, you, that's never been done to me. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to wear sunglasses when you leave. And then if your glasses wear, they just give yeah. you these like sunglass like Little slips. inserts. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because with your pupils really big, that way we can see in, but then you're letting in a lot of sunlight. So that's why people are always sensitive to light when they walk outside. Right. So that can damage your corneas. Your retinas, but yes. <laughs> that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's why we're not optometrists. It's okay, Chris. I was like, yeah, your corneas. I was like fully on board with you. <laughs> I mean, the corneas are the corneas are on the surface of the eye. That's the very, very surface part of the eye. So it is an eyeball part. Oh my gosh. I know words. You know words. Chris, what's your question today? Okay, so my question today is, <laughs> how good are you at giving directions? I don't know why. <laughs> directions come in many shapes and forms. I'm just saying. Like, that was rude. I felt like that was also a low-key dig because you know I'm not directionally challenged. <laughs> so giving... I feel like, But you're also a teacher. Exactly. So like, I feel like directions are open for interpretation. That one, 10 out of 10. That's actually the way I was interpreting it. Oh. Okay. Okay, yeah. I, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I can give a good direction. I just can't tell you, like, how to get from my house to Family Mart. Fair enough. <laughs> Nahomi? I guess, like, from a, on a scale of 0 to 10, giving directions, I'd probably be, like, a 6 or 7. Like, I'm not horrible at giving directions in both, like, instructional and navigational, but I do have to, like, do that thing where you... Roll your eyes up thinking like, wait, is it left or was it right? Was it this landmark? Was it that? What street sign was that? (laughs) But I eventually get there. (laughs) And you will too. (laughs) You might have to go back a little bit because I like went too far on my landmark, but you made it. So that's all that matters. 
Chris is, I think from personal experience, Chris is a very good direction giver for driving because I've had to drive with him. But I'm someone who's like, I want to put in the GPS. And Chris is like, I know how to get there. Like, it's fine. And I'm like, do I go straight here? And he's like, you're going to take the second right. And then we'll like blow through it. And I'm like, you also put in the GPS and then ignore it. (laughs) (laughs) So like, don't sit up here and be like, oh, let me put in the GPS. Because I've also watched you just like, drive blindly <laughs> the gps is like take this exit and you're just like <laughs> because i also like singing when- natasha beddingfield pocket full of sunshine just- because, oh my- while i'm doing i got a pocket yeah it's I'm, I'm not a good direction taker <laughs> it's fine i mean to defend emma a little bit like i've i've sat as passenger and have gps up even though we know where we're going just to kind of watch for traffic you know classic california traffic and sometimes i have the map as like a small window on my screen and then i'm on my phone doing other stuff and sometimes i forget to pay attention to the map and be like oh shoot turn right right here (laughs) right meow sorry (laughs) right meow (laughs) it's okay it'd be like that it's not for me but yeah i would i'd give myself a solid like eight or nine they're not perfect directions but they are very good if you choose to follow them. <laughs> Emma. If you choose to yeah. It's just, <laughs> just that's why I always just ask Chris to just drive. So I'm just like, can you just drive because this is stressing me out. <laughs> and he knows where he's going. Like, he doesn't even pull up the GPS. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, like, go. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, that's awesome. Love that for you. Oh, my goodness. Just look at the map and then execute it. But before we go, where can people find Naomi? You can find me at twitch.tv slash N-H-A-H-O-M-I-E. That's it. <laughs> and that's Nahomi. <laughs> you can also just go to twitch.tv and then search for my name as well, Nahomi. I do have an Instagram. It's the same username, N-H-A-H-O-M-I-E for Nahomi. It is actually my personal account. I just kind of deleted certain posts to make sure I didn't I don't get doxxed but I technically have a Twitter but it's not my name I had to add an extra e at the end so it's Nahomi with two e's I really only use that because my um my stream software uh has like a twitch embedding thing in it but twitch and Instagram Thanks, Nahomi, for coming on the show. We were so excited to have you, and it was so nice to catch up. Thanks for also being one of our OG followers and listeners. Thanks, Nahomi. We were so glad to have you. Thank you for having me. Emma, where can people find the podcast? You can find our podcast on Instagram and Facebook at The Tea with Crema. If you'd like to buy us a cup of tea, you can also Venmo us at The Tea with Crema. You can stream us on all of your favorite streaming platforms. We hope to see you next time. Bye! (laughs)